Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, what's going on, Haley? How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me on the show. How are you? Very good. Feeling great today. This weather is shining here in Houston, Texas as we record this, so I can't ask for much more. Nice. That's awesome. Um, do we have similar weather? I'm in the Southwest Florida, like St. Petersburg area. Yeah, I think y'all have a little bit more of that the storm stuff happening <laughs> right, right now that we, we typically have. But yeah, we get that Gulf Coast type of weather where we get the hurricanes and all that other stuff as well, for sure. Well, not right on as far as hurricanes and stuff, though. When the nice weather part. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> all right. So we'll jump right into it, Haley. Like, who is Haley McDonald? Man, well, there's a lot of things I could say, but for the sake of this conversation, probably be best to just tell you what I do and a little bit about who I am. So I am a creative strategist in general. And what I do is I work alongside marketing teams as their consultant. And so my whole mission is really to help them increase their innovation, their impact, and their income, whether it's a marketing agency or a team within the company, so that they're really working together as a whole unit to be able to grow the business. I have always been really creative ever since I was a kid, loved art projects, loved doing magic tricks, even though they sucked. Like It was always just something that I was very interested in, and that has not left. I think I've always tended to look at the world and with a lens of curiosity and creativity, and now I'm able to leverage that with marketing teams because I think that, funny enough, a big part of what marketing teams struggle with is the innovation, is the creativity, because we're very tactile or tactic or strategy oriented. And that can oftentimes butt heads with the creative portion of it. And we can start to forget what the magic of marketing really is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like how you did that. I don't know if the designers caught that. You said magic at the end. See? So now you get to work your magic in a different way and it doesn't suck. So (laughs) let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, what was your journey to entrepreneurship? It actually started when I was working as an intern at a recording studio out in Seattle, Washington. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. You know, I still love music, absolutely, but I wanted to have my own record label, you know, manage artists, like all that stuff. And so while I was there, I was surrounded by just gobs of talent. But most of the people who came in there really struggled to make any money or build like a significant enough fan base so that that could be their full-time thing. And that's what I wanted for myself too. And so that had got me wondering and researching and thinking and becoming curious about like, well, how do I actually build a loyal fan base? How do I bring attention to certain projects or things that I'm passionate about? Because I know that other people have that same taste in music or same question or same dream and life that they want to live. And because of that curiosity, of course, it snowballed into marketing, social media, copywriting, advertising, emails, content, like all of it 
And so I decided to get educated and then get certified in digital marketing and eventually started playing around with it my own way with the bands that I was surrounded by, with the recording studios I was involved with. And it started to work and they started to notice really positive results. And then I was like, shoot, I'm going to make it a business. And so long story short, did a lot of done for you stuff in the beginning and then transitioned over into the consulting space, really because I understood that if we dive into the strategy before the actual implementation, the whole campaign, the whole company will be more successful as a whole. Absolutely. That's an interesting start. So who do you typically work with now for your ideal clients? I typically work with service-based companies. And because I've been doing consulting more recently within the last couple of years, and my my range of service-based companies has gone from pretty wide, ranging from like real estate brokerages to fitness businesses to the whole gamut of everything, and then has slowly started to niche down a bit. Um, So creative teams and creative agencies, so that would look like advertising agencies, marketing agencies, video production companies, and would love to continue on that route of like creative brands in general that want to build some more innovation into the our society. Absolutely. Well, that ties into what you help companies do with creating impact, innovation, and income through your marketing. So what does that creative process look like for you, Haley? Yeah, it can look like a lot of different things. In general, I would say it involves three things. There's the initial brainstorm, and that's where we're just gathering as much information, as many questions, as many ideas as possible. And then number two would be the blending of the idea portion with what we think is actually going to work and be implementable. And that's the structure of divergent thinking, which is again, that expansive everything with convergent thinking, which is the strategies or the systems that we're going to leverage in place to turn those ideas and stuff into tasks, delegating them to people, so on. So that's number two is the merging. And then number three is, of course, the implementation slash testing. So how did it actually all work? And then once you have enough data, going back, it's like a flywheel, going back to the beginning and brainstorming and then lining them together and so on and so on. Absolutely. So for those of the designers who aren't really marketing heads, what are some of the like the metrics or key performance indicators that they should be looking at to know that their campaigns are actually working? I'd say it depends on the type of campaign that you're running. So if it's a standard, say, social media advertising campaign, that's going to be things like your cost per click, cost per lead, your site visits, and then the actual website metrics or landing page metrics as well. Like, how long did they stay on the page? Were there hotspots? Where were they? Their mouse and cursor hanging out? Where were their eyeballs? So that would be for a general advertising campaign. But if you're talking about like, let's say you designed the billboard or like a big banner that's going to go up as part of an event that you're sponsoring. That's a little bit harder to measure. And so the idea there would be, our, did we get an uptick in website activity or social media activity or sales during that month or three months 
after we initially launched that campaign. Okay. That's a good point. And then uh, you mentioned like it's a little harder, which is right. So when someone goes to set out a marketing, is there like a certain type of campaign you typically recommend them them starting with? I would say the easiest and the one you're going to get a lot of data from is probably going to be a social media campaign, especially if you're B2C. B2B could be a little bit different. I'm maybe a little biased. I'm de- definitely a content forward person. However, I think my answer would stay the same even if you're B2B. And so running a social media ad, I would say, you know, have one campaign, right? Figure out what the goal is, if it's going to be sales versus leads versus just in brand awareness and creating engagement for, let's say, uh, your account or your social media business profile or something. Have a general goal for that campaign and then create as many different creatives for that between the ad sets in the campaign as humanly possible. If your budget and your team and your time allows, and if you're willing to put in that energy for it, because that will yield you the best data results. You may, if it's really early and you haven't run advertisements before, you may lose some money. But to me, that's a testing period. It's an investment because the next time you run the campaigns that you can now see work really well and just trash the ones that didn't, you can improve upon those. And then the next time you run them, you should have a positive ROI or at the very least break even. Then you have more data and you can start that flywheel creative cycle like we were talking about once again. Absolutely. And I love that you talk about doing a bunch of different testing because that's really what marketing is, right? A lot of people, they're just like, oh, once I create a campaign, it's just going to magically happen. I wish it worked that way, but (laughs) it just doesn't. It's it's seemingly certain types of platform work for uh, certain types of industries and businesses. Have you uh, noticed that there are certain platforms that are really coming up to the forefront when it comes to the marketing campaigns that you're leveraging for your clients? It's all about where the audience, you know, for that specific company is. And things such as demographics, of course, you go back to your like ideal client profile, where would they most hang out? But also their psychographics, especially. And I think that across all platforms, the deeper that you go into the psychographics of what their mental state of mind is while on the platform, that can be really beneficial to know before you go all in on one platform or decide to advertise here versus there. So what I see, if I'm just going to give broad examples for this, B2B, generally going to be like LinkedIn and Facebook. B2C, it's going to be Instagram, it's going to be TikTok especially, and YouTube. YouTube is probably medium for both, right? Like B2B and B2C pretty equal. So that's like the overarching example. But if you're fitness... LinkedIn might not be the best for you unless you're like an executive fitness coach or you're trying to land jobs or gigs with companies who want personal trainers if they have like a gym in their corporate office or something. So it depends on where your audience is and what state of mind that they're going to be in on the platform because fitness is going to be great on Instagram. It's going to be great on TikTok. I think each social media platform has their own strengths and along with the strengths is going to come some weaknesses. So like the algorithms, you know, they're going to do their thing. They're always going to change. But what's more predictable is the people 
using the platform and how they're using it. So approaching whatever campaign or just content strategy in general, approaching that strategy from the perspective of your audience as if you were them interacting on that platform is beneficial. Gotcha. And then once I find my platform, like what if I struggle creating content? Like what's some pointers you can give the designers on how they should go about creating content for those platforms? I will say that it will vary depending on who you are as a person. Some people are very reserved, like they will not and do not want to get on camera. And if that's the case, will it be a little bit harder for you? Probably, but it's not impossible to do it, right? There's, and especially now with like AI, there's so many ways that you can create video to be able to interact and engage with the people who are going to be joining you as followers, you know, that loyal fan base. But the actual creation process, I would say, honestly, first, just like get a system down, something that you can actually maintain for a long, long time. Because if you're doing content and you're doing organic marketing, it's going to take a long, long time. (laughs) But that's the point. The sweetest fruit takes the longest to grow. And this is really vital when it comes to any social media. Otherwise, you're just going to give up in like six months or three years because it might take longer than that. But going back to how to figure out what you're going to post, you know, there's an infinite amount of ideas that you could get from researching the types of questions that your audience has or types of topics that they have. But I would say to be totally honest with you, like it has nothing to do with the strategies or the research as much as it has to do with you taking enough time to not focus on the strategy of like what you're actually going to create. Like go outside, go move your body, go have some fun and go do things that make you happy. Because those are the times, like even when you're in the shower, you're not really doing much. You're just kind of hanging out in the shower and ideas come to mind. It's the same thing when we we're take, doing walks or whatever you can think of when you're outside or, or just having fun. So if you prioritize enough time to where you're able to do that, when you do sit down to create ideas for your next week, month of content, ideas will come to you much easier and you won't be so focused on creating something that somebody's basically already created before. Like, but just saying the same information in a different way. You know, it's got to be unique to you and come from your unique perspective. Right. And that term curation comes up. What I'm hearing you say, Haley, it's like, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Especially now, you can literally go find someone in your niche, see what they're talking about, see what they're saying, and then provide your take on it, right? You, You got videos, you can take a reel and post it on yours. You can remix it now. There's so many different ways to create content. You know, you got to explain your videos if you don't want to be on camera. So it's like, you just got to find your zone. Like you just said, Haley, it's like, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Like put a spin on it, find what they said, say, all right, I agree with that. I don't agree. And then just put your own take on it. If you don't want to be on camera, you know, do a voiceover. You don't have to really be on camera these days. Right. So it's like, I love that you said that. Be where you are, enjoy the process. And next thing you know, you're going to be walking and talking. You're creating a thousand pieces of content. So it's like you don't have to be dancing and doing all this other stuff that we hear about, right? Just 
be you. And I think that's the key is that authenticity. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really easy to get distracted by it or feel, I'm not the biggest fan of the word imposter syndrome, but it's easy to feel like that. And you're like, well, I don't know how to be authentic. Like you do, you do it every day. But when it comes to like putting it in front of other people on purpose, it feels a little weird. So it's just a repetition thing. Absolutely. And with that, there's always obstacles we face. I want to ask you, Haley, what's been some obstacles you face as you've looked to grow your business? A lot of them. I would say that the biggest, most obvious one, and I think that every company and entrepreneur goes through this, which is like, how do I get leads to me (laughs) instead of sending a thousand emails every week and knocking on doors if you're a real estate agent, like whatever that may be. And especially if you don't have the budget to go all out on advertising, right? I think that it first starts with, and you know, Alex Hormozzi talks about this all the time, which is like your offer. Is the thing that you're selling good enough to where people are going to be feel crazy not to buy it? And if that's the case, then marketing becomes a lot easier. Leads coming to you become a lot easier because it spreads like wildfire. Your thing is so good. Everybody wants to tell their friends who are in the similar niche as you, right? Like your ideal clients about it. And that took me a while to learn for whatever reason, you know, in marketing. And so I thought, well, if I just market more and more and more and more and more, like it just work out. There was that testing thing again, though. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, huh, something keeps happening, like where they get here, you know, that's not the problem. And then they don't close. So it's like, oh, maybe it's me. So I think it was a combination of some self-reflection and a little bit of that like deep work. And I know that sometimes business people tend to tune out at this point because they're like, oh, deep work. Well, like, I you know what everybody knows that you got to fix yourself first before you can fix your business. So it was getting a lot of that ego away of like, well, nothing is wrong with like the way that I'm interacting with people or my service or my product, getting rid of a lot of that narrative and then just rebuilding the offer and saying, okay, how to make this so good? How do I guarantee results for my dream clients, not the clients that I have been attracting, the ones who are sucking me dry and just not putting in the time or energy needed to help themselves. How do I stop attracting those people and start attracting the ones who are driven, the ones who are going to do it without you nagging them a bunch of times and who are going to have the best results? And that took some iterations and some testing like we've been talking about. But that was probably the biggest differentiator between when I was having that struggle of getting leads to actually close to having ones where they come and they're like, cool, that's exactly what I expected, ready to go, and then hand you the money. Yeah. I think that, like you said, we all have that, especially as service-based leaders. It's like, you can get them there, but it's like, ah, is this the right person, right? So what was the, the biggest shift for you to find that right person? I think I was watching this is going to sound a little silly. I was watching some TikTok or like a YouTube shorts one day. And this gal was talking about how when you speak to pain points, it can be obviously very effective for marketing in general. 
but oftentimes it attracts disempowered people because for most of us, if even if we don't like to admit it, we are complacent in our pain. And so we're okay with hearing it because we deal with it every single day, right? Like if you have a little shoulder pain one day and then you just keep having it for like six months and somebody's like, hey, how's your shoulder from last time we were talking about it? You're like, oh my God, I kind of forgot about it. And so instead of speaking as much to people's pains, I actually started speaking to their desires more, which sounds really simple, but the mental part of their desire as well. Like this is for the marketing leader who's ready to make a massive impact on their team and on their company. This is for the person who knows that they have this like creative drive inside them, but may feel like there's something stopping them from letting it fully in. Language like that was a really big differentiator. And it was from that, yeah, I got inspired by it from that chick on a video. I wish I remembered her name, but that's when it happened. It's a very valid point because it's like oftentimes we hear from the gurus like, hey, speak to their pain, speak to their pain, speak to their pain, right? But it's like, and then we also hear the other side, hey, speak to what the transformation is after they work with you. But there's something that happens in between that, right? And a lot of times we got to keep testing to find out what exactly they part of that in between that they're looking for, right? So um, I always tell my clients, like, if you have six modules, right? Maybe it's not the stuff in module one they want. Maybe it's not stuff in module six they want. Maybe they want module three of your, you know, whatever your process is in that framework. So sometimes you just got to, again, test it out and see what resonates with who you really want to attract. Because the language that they use, it changes, one. And then also, you know, how you're painting that picture for them so they can place themselves in it really matters. It matters tremendously. So what you said, like, it's like that marketing leader that's listening right now is probably like, yes, that's me, that creative direction. I can't seem to get it. I'm under all this pressure to make these sales and get this ROI, but I just can't figure out how to create what I need to. So you painted a beautiful picture right there. Good. And I will say too, like when we do speak to pains, because like you just said, it's a balance and we have to kind of test what that balance is for our own customer base. But when we talk about pains, the way that I like to do it is through myself. So I'll talk about my own pains as long as it relates to the pains that my ideal clients probably also have. So I'll talk about those things. And then it helps bridge the gap a little where you're like, okay, it's not you who's dealing with the stuff, it's me, but you resonate. You're like, oh, cool. It's a point of common ground. So not only am I speaking to their desires while talking about pains, I'm also sharing a bit of myself and building that trust and relationship with them through those types of stories. So if we can talk about pains in the story setting, I think that that's a really good way to transition from total pain to total pleasure and then having something in between. Absolutely. Like Maya Angelou said, people remember how you made them feel. I mean, that's really what marketing is, that emotional aspect, which is why, you know, no matter how much AI we use, right, that these days we still need that human component to create that emotion and get that feel that's going to make people pull out their credit cards and say, hey, I don't care what the cost is, man, because it's an investment for them and they know that that transformation is priceless. So that's the great point, Haley. So question for you. What are some questions you like to ask that the designers listening could utilize to get their marketing in place? So when you first come in, 
What are some questions you'd like to ask your clients? Yeah. And just so I'm understanding your question correctly, when you say the questions I like to ask clients, do you mean like before they join or during that onboarding or intake period? Once you already got them as a client to paint the picture that you're looking to paint for the marketing campaign, what questions do you ask them? Okay, perfect. The first questions that I dive into are always related to the personality of the company or the owner, depending on the size of the business. If it's a local shop, you've got owners that are very much part of the business. But then if it's a faceless, in a sense, company, then you've got the personality of that. So the questions I usually ask are around like, how would your customers describe you? How would your best customers describe you? And then if it's more of a person thing, then I would say, how do your best friends describe you? How does your family describe you? And then we would go into what are their values, you know, all the basic things. And the reason why I focus on a lot of those questions first is because it helps to paint the picture later of who they actually are and personifying that business in a sense. And then I'll ask questions, of course, about what are your current campaigns looking like? You know, when's the last time you ran an advertising campaign and how did it do? Do you know the reason for its success or for its failure? And what kind of data do you already have on your best customers? What's your churn rate? And then I would, a lot of the times, if it's involving a team, I would get questions answered from the team itself on an anonymous basis, or at least something that their managers aren't going to see that I can only see. And I would say, how do you vibe with your team, right? Like, what is the communication style like between your coworkers, your bosses, other departments? And would ask a lot of questions underneath how the team operates and what they care about and the struggles that they're having with each other or the really good things. Like maybe their team is just killer communicators, but for whatever reason, when it comes to brainstorming, maybe it's not. So those are the types of questions I would ask. And I don't give as many specific examples of questions because I think that the buckets are the more important things. And however you deem the words you use in the question are more valuable than I could give you, right? Like they feel more authentic when they come from you. But yeah, those are the types of questions that I would ask. I love the discovery type of questions, right? Because it gets people thinking and like you said, anyone can apply them in their own way and the listeners know their team best. So I like that there was no specific examples, but it's more so along these lines, we can ask these questions. And it's also important to remember that the team plays a huge part in everything, right? If we have a team, depending on the size of the business. And as leaders, we got to remember that like the onus is not all on us. Right? We should be getting that feedback and understanding that does our team understand? Does what we're looking to accomplish vibe with them? Does it resonate with them? And that's a lot of times that's the issue, right? When I go in and I speak to teams myself, I see that all the time. They're just like, it's not that we don't communicate or have a lack of communication. We just don't understand what's going on and how it ties to our daily task, right? Which is why our performance is going down, et cetera. So I love that you asked that and start there. Yeah. It's amazing how often 
like the teams can vibe really well together, but then you hear about the breakdowns or the challenges that they're facing and you're like, what is really going on here? And you have to do some investigating too when that is the case where like on the outside, everything seems great and you get good feedback and overall the company is growing. But for whatever reason, when you look at the nitty gritty, you're like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on here. And a lot of the time it'll be individual conversations. Like if you are a consultant, individual conversations with individual team members to start to dissect and investigate what the actual root cause of the problem is. Because you can do a lot of Band-Aid fixes on the surface, but until you ask enough questions to find that root cause, the problem is just going to keep coming up again and again. 100%. We don't want Band-Aids here. We want to actually get to that root cause. So Haley, we're going to switch a little bit. We're going to hit our by design segment where I ask every guest the same three questions. Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got this. All right. So first question is, what has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? Just keep going. That has been the hardest part of like, sometimes I have no idea what's wrong and I feel like giving up, you know, but it's just a lot of reminding myself of like, okay, yeah, I am working towards that end goal, whatever it is for me and realizing like, this is just the dip, right? As Seth Godin calls it, the trenches where we're sitting in and we'll climb out, but I don't know what kind of ladder I'm going to use to get out of it, but it'll happen at some point. I just got to be chill for the time being. Yeah, man, we all go through that as leaders for sure. You know, like, what the hell am I doing? And, <laughs> but, you know, you got to be willing, like you said, be willing to say that so you can get out of that. I love that, that you shared that. Thank you for that. The second one is what is the best lesson you've learned along your entrepreneurial journey? The best lesson I've learned is make something that you're not only proud of, but something that's going to change other people's lives. And if you can do that and you can work on it for long enough, you will have whatever success that you want. Absolutely. I love that. You got me pondering on that one. That was good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) The third question is, what are three tools or tips that you will recommend when scaling your business? Test, even though it's the most basic. I think it's super important. Take time to create, even if it's not for your business. Like you probably have some sort of hobby or thing that brings you joy. Do that more often. And look at your systems that you have in your business and the systems that you have in your everyday life. And by systems, I mean the schedule that you have for work or the way that you launch a marketing campaign, whatever those systems are, take a look at them because chances are they can be optimized. I love that. Yes. Thank you so much. So you shared a ton of value along the lines of a lot of different things, right? Including marketing. How can people connect with you? The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. You can find me under Haley Kalani McDonald and all of my information is there. So you can check out my website and all of the content and advice I put out on there. You can also DM me so you can connect with me on that platform too. Thank you so much, Haley. Is there anything we should be on the lookout for in the coming months? 
Ooh, now that you mention it, I am going to be launching a workshop series on LinkedIn Live. And it's where me and the guest are going to look at a real business with real challenges and solve them workshop style in real time so that we can start to uncover the veil a bit of what these marketing agencies or consultants actually do with businesses and help them see those examples so clearly that more people can apply them to their own business. Oh, wow. Well, I'll be sure to tune in to that. So make sure you send me that invite on uh, LinkedIn, Haley. So everyone, make sure you all listen to Haley. Go ahead and connect with her on LinkedIn. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to connecting with you soon, Haley. Keep ascending. Thanks. Likewise, Javon. Thank you. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.